What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to bring you a continuation of last week's video. I talked about five players that you need to be selling before the NFL draft. Well, here's five more players they need to be selling before the NFL draft. It is officially draft week. We're going to be having two a days coming at you until the draft actually happens. So earlier today, we would have dropped Dynasty Decisions. You guys will be seeing this video. And then we'll drop our final wide receiver and running back rankings on Tuesday. We're going to have a mock draft, final mock draft for you on Wednesday, and then a live stream on Wednesday. And then, of course, the draft is on Thursday. So that's kind of the schedule. But as you'll recall, I did a video last week, and the theme of that video was selling shaky running backs who could be replaced in the NFL draft because most of their value is propped up by opportunity right now. So you should be shopping those players in your leagues. In today's video, I thought I'd talk about the other side of the coin, and I'll kind of get into that after the intro. But before we get into it, if you guys enjoy this video at any point, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. We are like 100 subscribers away from 10,000. So we're really, really trying to get there before the NFL draft. If you haven't already done so, please hit the subscribe button. You will not regret it. I promise you that. And of course, if you want more Dynasty and Rookie content, check out the Patreon. Link is in the description for that. Now let's hit the intro. So this is going to be a quick market talk before we actually get into the players. You can skip ahead if need be, but this is my thought process behind why I'm selling these players. So I, I highly encourage you to listen to this part and not skip ahead. But as I teased before the intro, I'm talking about the other side of the coin. So I talked about shaky running backs that might be replaced in the NFL draft in the other video. In this video, instead of talking about running backs with shaky opportunities, I'm going to discuss five wide receivers you should be selling right now in Dynasty before the NFL draft. When we make trades in Dynasty, there's two things that we have to keep in mind. Number one is the macro market. And the macro market just means what every dynasty player is has access to as far as information and perception. So the biggest example of how the macro market is behaving right now is the news surrounding Debo Samuel. Recently, uh, as early as January, February, March, Debo Samuel was valued as a top three to five dynasty wide receiver until this whole contract spiel kind of came uh, to the surface and and basically broke out. Now you can get Debo Samuel for just top 10 wide receiver prices or potentially even less than that if the opposing manager is panicking about him not potentially being with the San Francisco 49ers anymore. The macro market is reacting to the news. That's how the macro market behaves in Dynasty. When we get news, when we get signings, when we get trades, all that kind of stuff will affect players' values, but everybody has access to that information, which is why it's the macro market. And therefore, you're getting a lower price on Debo Samuel right now. And there's a buying window if you want to accept it. You guys can see right now he's going about the wide receiver nine as opposed to the wide receiver three to four that he was going in March um, and February. So second is your micro market. The second factor that influences how we trade in Dynasty is how your current league behaves or, or specific trade partners within your league. So if you're trying to trade with you know the guy that finished in first, your micro market in that trade is how that guy values players. Maybe your league really hoards quarterbacks, right? In a super flex league, the way that your league market behaves is that everybody wants quarterbacks. Therefore, quarterbacks have increased value. Maybe they really love running backs. Maybe they're redraft players who are playing dynasty. So win now pieces are really valuable. Maybe you guys all live in Chicago, for example. So Bears players are more valuable. So that is the micro uh, market of your league. And it's up to you as the viewer to kind of assess your micro market, because I'm not in your league. I have no idea how it behaves. I'm here to give you the more macro based stuff. The point of all of this basically is to outline as I did in the running back video that we're not talking about fantasy points for the time being. I know, you know, some of you guys might think only in terms of fantasy points, 
But what we're thinking about in this video, the five players that I'm going to talk about, they have a common macro narrative on the market right now or notion in regards to their current role that's propping up their dynasty value or their perceived value, which I will outline for each player as I talk about them. The risk of all of these players is that become because the NFL draft is next week, the draft results of their team might change the role or change the narrative that they currently have. And then us as a reactive dynasty market and dynasty community, we change that player's value or perceived value as a result of that, because their role is mainly built on opportunity. It is not built on their talent or anything like that. It's mainly built on the perception what we might have for them as it currently stands. And the true constant for wide receivers in dynasty is that you want to invest in talented wide receivers, talented wide receivers, typically overcome all odds, quarterback play, target competition, whatever the case is So enough economics. Let's actually get into the players that we're discussing. The first guy that we're going to talk about is a guy that you guys probably expected to hear his name called very soon in a cell video. And that's Juju Smith-Schuster wide receiver for the Kansas city chiefs. And like I said, I'm going to outline every narrative and every perception that's currently propping up their dynasty value. The easy narrative to to recognize with Juju Smith-Schuster and why his market value is a lot higher is because he's technically the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes right now. As it currently stands, everybody is viewing him as the potential wide receiver one in Kansas City. Now, let's just start with this. Obviously, this is good news for Juju's value. Him signing in Kansas City helped his value. I'm not denying that that didn't happen, but Juju right now is, is being considered as a first-round value caliber player, first-round rookie pick value caliber player, which I believe is a market overreaction. I believe it's a mistake. Anyone that I have highlighted right now in this chart, according to Keep Trade Cut, is somebody I would rather have than Juju Smith-Schuster. And you guys can see pretty much everybody there around his value, I would rather have than him outside of Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Carter, who are running backs that are typically not the type of guys that I like to invest in. I'm seeing hot takes on Twitter about Juju Smith-Schuster saying that he could be the next Cooper Cup. Just outrageous. This guy hasn't been efficient in over three years since Antonio Brown left town. His fantasy points per target was a measly 1.24 yards per target in the games that he played last year, which was actually a significant downgrade from the already bad 1.83 that he had in 2020, which ranks 51st among all wide receivers. This is just a guy that is not efficient, plain and simple. Could he see a career resurgence in Kansas City? It's definitely possible, but his value right now is the is under the assumption that he's already going to take that step forward in his career. He'll be a huge focal point of this offense. And last I checked, the Kansas City Chiefs have two first-round picks, and they also have a pick in the 50s. So if they make a big-time trade-up for a, a Jamison Williams or somebody like that, Juju managers will be wishing they sold while the iron was hot, in my opinion. I already sold Juju Smith-Schuster in a league that I had him. I suggest you guys do the same. I'm selling the idea that Juju Smith-Schuster is the wide receiver one in Kansas City to my league mates because it is very unlikely, in my opinion, that he gets through this offseason scot-free, that he gets through this offseason remaining the wide receiver one in Kansas City. And even if you were to do that, he would still have a, a giant cloud over his head that he's not all that talented of a player, at least at this point in his career. He was once a very talented you know, rookie and second-year player, but kind of fell off a cliff after that. So number two we have here is Amari Cooper. Uh, the narrative around Amari Cooper that's propping his value up right now is that he's finally free from the shackles of a crowded offense with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, all these guys that he needs to compete with uh, for targets with. And now he's the clear-cut number one for Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. For starters, Amari Cooper has never garnered an elite target share in his career. 18.8% last year, 21.1% in 2020, 20.7% in 2019 over his three years in Dallas. And his career high in target share came in 2016 with the, uh, with the Oakland Raiders. 22% is the highest he's ever achieved. And in my opinion, he was in a better situation last year with the Dallas Cowboys than he is now. 
and suddenly he's a year older and his value has gone up. To me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He's not suddenly going to walk into a 30% share uh, of the, his team's targets. He's been the clear-cut number one in an offense before. When he first got to Dallas, before Michael Gallup was developed, before CeeDee Lamb got there, he was the clear-cut number one, and he was still only garnering like a 20.7% target share. He's tried at this whole clear-cut number one thing, but he's much better as a part of a duo, as a top-two receiver duo, or like a 1B or something like that. The Browns may not have pick 13 anymore in the NFL draft to, to draft a Garrett Wilson type or somebody that would really impact Amari Cooper's value, but they still could do damage with pick 44. They could get a, you know, Christian Watson, George Pickens, somebody uh, in the second round sky more that could really impact his value. And they also have two third rounders as well in the nineties uh, to draft, maybe a David Bell, Khalil Shakir, somebody like that. Not to mention there's plenty of free agents still available to impact Amari Cooper's role, especially Deshaun Watson's old buddy, Will Fuller, who after the draft may be signed by Cleveland, uh, to bring some speed to that offense and to give Deshaun Watson his old favorite target back. Similar to Juju Smith-Schuster, could Cooper have a career resurgence in Cleveland? It's definitely possible, but again, we want that risk baked into his price if we're going to hold right now, and I don't think that it is currently baked into his price. Once again, I have some trade targets listed based on current market value of Amari Cooper. You guys can see I have everybody highlighted here that I would trade straight up for Amari Cooper. I would rather have Josh Jacobs, an early first, in 2024. I don't know how the hell that's even remotely close in value. TJ Hawkinson, Mike Evans, Jamison Williams, a late first in 2023, etc. All the guys that you see there, I would rather have than Amari Cooper. I know Amari Cooper has a, a, a chance to have a career resurgence in Cleveland, but it's not baked into his current price right now. He could still get replaced. He could still have guys added to his target competition. And again, this is still a run-heavy offense. We still have Deshaun Watson's lingering suspension looming over his head. If Deshaun Watson gets suspended, that'll probably prop Amari Cooper's win-now appeal down a little bit. Um, so just a lot of risk around Amari Cooper right now, and I just don't think it's being baked into his price. The fact that he is being valued over Keenan Allen is criminal. Keenan Allen has no, virtually no concerns. He has the number one target in an offense led by Justin Herbert, who's going to pass way more than Cleveland. And I doubt they're going to replace Keenan Allen in a draft. And if they do, uh, it'll probably be more of a long-term thing because Keenan Allen, on the other hand of Amari Cooper, has shown the ability to command an elite target share. So if you can trade Amari Cooper straight up for Keenan Allen, by all means, do it if you're a win-now team. So uh, number three we have is Gabriel Davis here. The narrative surrounding Gabriel Davis is that he had a three-touchdown game in the playoffs. It's burned into people's memory. And Josh Allen's number two receiver is how cur uh, currently Gabriel Davis is being valued on the market. Now, the thing about Gabriel Davis, and again, it kind of goes back to everything I've said so far, is that he also has not commanded a high target share in his career thus far either. And yes, he's a young player, and we want to buy into young, talented players. But at the same time, we want to see this guy command targets and get on the field. And guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley were keeping him from getting on the field in uh, the regular season last year. So just because they're gone, I don't think it's necessarily going to result in Gabriel Davis commanding some elite target share. The Buffalo Bills also don't have a lot of needs. And like I said, they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they lost Cole Beasley. So I do expect them to draft a wide receiver at some point, especially in this draft class where the wide receiver talent is very rich across the board, especially when they're going to be picking in the first round at pick 25, when they pick in the second round and pick at pick 57, and when they pick in the third round at pick 89. I expect them to add a wide receiver with one of those top three round picks and even adding a wide receiver in round two. It drastically impacts Gabriel Davis's dynasty value on the market in my opinion, especially if it's a player the dynasty community loves. If they draft George Pickens, for example, in the second round, Sky Moore in the second round, Traylon Burks in the first round, something like that, that will really, really tank his value. And the tough thing to determine about Gabriel Davis's dynasty value, in my opinion, is your individual micro market. Like I said, when you guys watch these videos, I want you to be watching them with the lens of your own current league. Don't you want to apply your own league 
value to whatever I'm talking about. So you can determine, hey, maybe this trade target doesn't necessarily apply to my league because my league mates won't buy into a guy like this. That's fine. You go on to the next guy in the video and so on and so forth. I'm trying to make one size fits all content that you guys can you know, quickly uh, evaluate and determine whether or not that applies to your league. But at macro value, I don't think it's outrageous to say um, where Gabriel Davis stacks up. You guys can see the guys that he's going around. And I, again, I have the guys highlighted that I would rather have than Gabriel Davis, but I don't think it's very uh, outrageous where he's being valued. If your league is very reactive, they may have Davis up a tier, right? Maybe he's up near um, Darnell Mooney types and uh, Chase Claypool types and Monroe St. Brown types. Rashad Bateman types. And in that case, I would much rather have those guys than Gabriel Davis. Or like I said, um, at the beginning of the video, you guys can use these, these guys like Gabriel Davis to tear up at a position. Maybe you want to take uh, Devonte Smith and Gabriel Davis and go up and tear up to Deontay Johnson or DJ Moore or buy low on Debo Samuel or something like that. That's definitely what I'm looking to do to help mitigate risk with my roster because you can offload a wide receiver that could see a nosedive in his value if anything happens in the NFL draft. Because here's the thing. I doubt Gabriel Davis's value will change all that much but from now until the NFL season starts if they don't add somebody in the offseason. I think he's probably already going to go around this area depending on what happens in the offseason. But if they do take a wide receiver in the first round or in the second round, his value is sure to take a nosedive. So you could even trade for him again. If you traded him away now, you could even trade back for him in June if they draft a first-round wide receiver. If you still like Gabriel Davis and you still want to have him on your roster as that investment. But again, in the offseason, we want to think about these guys as assets, especially if you're rebuilding. You don't want to think about fantasy production for now. If I told you that there was a stock on the stock market right now that probably wasn't going to go up in value, from now until September, but it could take a nosedive next week. You'd probably sell that stock, right? You'd, you'd sell that stock and maybe buy it back later when the value has, has shrunk because it's not going to go up from now until September, which is how I feel about Gabriel Davis. So the next guy that we're going to talk about, the final guy of the uh, main uh, pieces that I'm looking to sell right now is Rondell Moore. And again, there's a narrative around Rondell Moore that his value is high right now because Christian Kirk signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's gone. And Rondell Moore could be the number two in this offense led by Kyler Murray. And plus, he wasn't used correctly as a rookie. So those are kind of all the narratives surrounding Rondell Moore. For starters, I seriously doubt Cliff Kingsbury will ever be creative enough to use Rondell Moore for what we view as, as the correct usage. So that's, you know, first and foremost. Second of all, Rondell Moore had opportunity to showcase his talents last year, and he didn't take advantage of it which is the bottom line with Rondell Moore. And people are going to spend the next four to five months taking a shit on uh, Amon Ross St. Brown for only being productive when DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson were off the field. But the thing about Amon Ross St. Brown is at least he was productive. At least he was commanding targets. At least he was um, producing for fantasy. And he was a top receiver in fantasy over the course of the final couple games of the season. But they won't hold Rondell Moore accountable, right? The same people that'll talk shit about Amon Ross St. Brown won't hold Rondell Moore accountable for taking advantage of his um, opportunity that was available to him. There were some major red flags with Rondell Moore's rookie season, in my opinion. Number one, he couldn't beat out Christian Kirk for the slot job. And that's fine if you think Christian Kirk's a great player. He's fine. Okay, whatever. He just got the bag from Jacksonville. He's a good player. Maybe that he couldn't beat him out because he's a veteran and Rondell Moore is a rookie, whatever the case is. But number two is that DeAndre Hopkins got hurt halfway through the season. He missed the second half of the season. And Rondell Moore still wasn't productive. And especially when you're a rookie wide receiver. Typically, when we see great rookie years, it typically happens from you know week nine on. And Rondell Moore had the perfect storm happen. The best receiver in his offense goes down. They need somebody to step up, and he couldn't do it. Number three, even despite all the injuries to uh, the wide receiving core, Rondell Moore saw his usage shrink as the season went along, not go up, which is usually what we typically see from rookie wide receivers, the opposite of what we wanted to see 
from a rookie is what we saw from Rondell Moore. What we saw it from Amon Ross St. Brown, but we didn't see it from Rondell Moore. You guys can see for the first nine games of the season, we saw Rondell Moore's usage steadily increase. And then at the end of the season, it went down and guys like Antoine Wesley were out snapping him. And how Rondell Moore loses some of his luster is simple. They have two aging outside wide receivers on this roster. DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green can't play forever. And I do think that the Arizona Cardinals are going to be in the market for a wide receiver in this class. Because like I said, teams draft based on best player available. And this draft class is very rich with wide receivers. So if the best player available come the Cardinals pick is a wide receiver, they're probably going to take one. Rondell Moore isn't enough insurance on those, uh, those older outside guys for the team to think about the short term. They're going to think about the future and they're probably going to invest highly in a wide receiver. In my opinion, they could invest in a wide receiver as early as round one. If somebody like um, Traylon Burke slips to them or Jahan Dotson or somebody like that slides to them at pick 23, I've seen and talked about Traylon Burks being mocked to the Arizona Cardinals numerous times. If that happens, even if it's a second round wide receiver, like I talked about, Rondell Moore could take a big hit in his value. And the tough thing about Rondell Moore is that his value is also very micro dependent. Like I said, for Gabe Davis, your league might be wary of a guy who had a down rookie season, and you might not be able to get much more than his equivalent market value that I have listed below. And again, everybody highlighted, I would rather have than Rondell Moore in Dynasty right now. But my favorite thing to do with guys like Rondell Moore and to do with guys like Gabriel Davis is put him in a throw in to tear up at wide receiver. Like I said, take Devontae Smith, add in Rondell Moore or Gabriel Davis and, and maybe a pick if you need to and go up and get Debo Samuel. Go up and get DJ Moore or something like that. Maybe you're, you're going to go after a running back. Go and get Antonio Gibson. Go get um, a quarterback, Jalen Hurts or something like that if you view him as a buy low. So something like that is what I'm looking to do with guys like Rondell Moore and Gabriel Davis before the NFL draft hits because like I said, young throw-ins with potential are a surefire way to upgrade a position group in your starting lineup and it also mitigates that risk that those guys take a huge nosedive in their value if their teams decide to ha uh, invest heavily in a wide receiver in the NFL draft. So number five, the final guys that you guys should be looking to sell is what I like to call the eternal optimism club. And basically this just means any year one, year two, or year three wide receiver that has had a disappointing start to their career. Values of these players are going to vary year uh, league to league. You guys aren't going to know um, how your league might value some of these players, but again, ask around if you have some of them on your roster, you know, send some feelers out there, see what you can get. And look, if you can, as a general rule, if you can get a second round pick for any of these guys, then it's a huge win. So these guys won't net you elite assets, but the chances are high that their NFL teams are growing tired of them and likely won't be uh, anything relevant for fantasy. So if you can get them off your roster now, recycle that player into a second round pick or maybe use them as a throw in, like I said. And the guys that fit this description are LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager, Nico Collins, Michael uh, Hardman, Terrace Marshall, Amari Rogers, Deami Brown. Again, anybody that is a young wide receiver still that has not lived up to their full potential as they were coming out of the draft. These guys aren't sell highs by any means. It's more of a sell low by any stretch of the uh, imagination. But what we're doing is getting out before their value is nothing. Before they have no value, you might be able to net a future second. Even if it's in 2024, I don't really care. If I can get a second round pick of any kind for any of these players, I'm looking to do it. And if you can't, maybe you can sell them for an early third round pick. One addition to their wide receiver cores in the NFL draft and their history for fantasy purposes. Similar to Rondell Moore, use these guys to sweeten the pot on tier ups at wide receiver, at quarterback, at running back. For example, you could take Jalen Hurts, who might be your current quarterback, and try and tear up to Dak Prescott using Terrace Marshall, using LaVisca Chenault, add both of them in. I don't really care. Maybe even add in a pick to sweeten the pot even more. So if you guys um, enjoyed this video, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe. Please, we are so close to 10,000 subscribers. I hope this video helped you guys out and go out there and make some trades before the NFL draft. Again, my voice is a little bit scratchy. I might be coming down with something, but 
Uh, the Patreon is uh, where you can access all of our rankings, our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto. You can also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto if you don't want to sign up on Patreon by uh, signing up and depositing on underdogfantasy.com using the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. We'll get you 100% on whatever you put in, and it'll also get you our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto totally for free. So with that being said, guys, peace out, and I'll talk to you soon.